Now, in the body of Christ, um, at least in this world, because you can't be an unsaved Christian, which would mean that you are not in the body of Christ, all right? But there are so many people today who profess to be Christians, and they are really not. So, hence the uh, oxymoron here. Are you an unsaved Christian, all right? So, you cannot be an unsaved Christian. I want to shed some light on that and then help those who find themselves who identify with this, all right? Because there is no point having a label and not having a heart that reflects that label, okay? So let's go. Um, reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 in the New King, uh, sorry, the New International Version. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that one can boast. Now, this is amazing. <laughs> What Paul is writing about here, uh, my friends, is you and I can never, never, ever do enough good things, enough good works to cause us to be qualified to become children of God. God has done it all himself, all right? So we are saved, those of us who are believers, who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus Christ, who know that we are saved. The reason we are is exclusively because of what Jesus did. It says in the book of Romans that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it is purely by grace that we have been saved. Now, I want you to look at the flip side of uh, another scripture. Um, this is written by uh, the, uh, the apostle James. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. James 2, 14 to 26. And this is what that says, all right? And this is at the core of what we're talking about today. It says, James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26, faith without works is dead. I know that sounds like a contradiction now because Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 2 that we have been saved by grace uh, and it has nothing to do with our works. I talked on that. James is saying without faith, uh, uh, faith without works is actually dead, meaning that it is no faith at all, all right? This is what James writes. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What good is it? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, okay? And James says, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It means absolutely nothing, okay? So, no, it's not a contradiction. They're both saying uh, precisely um, uh, preci the truths that they're saying, and this is the Word of God, so let me break it down for you, okay? Now, listen to this. For, I'm going back to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8 to 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, all right? So what, 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 it, it's easy to miss this, and I did for years. It's very easy to miss it. What Paul is actually articulating here is this, that we are not just saved by grace, through faith, but he says, these are not from yourself, okay? This is not from, it's not from yourself. So your salvation 
has nothing to do with you because God did it all himself. But guess what? Now, this is what blew my mind when it came to me. The faith that you needed to approach God for that salvation, it is not your faith either. It belongs to him. So this is mind-blowing to me. This is why the gospel is so powerful and it is so sweet. This is why it is called the good news. Because you needed, we, you and I, we needed faith to respond to the work that God has already done. But God says, because, he, you see, God has been in contracts with human beings before. Many times, many times, and every time we have fallen short. And since God decided, you know what? In the fullness of time, we're going to do this once and for all. And we're not going to revisit it again. We're not going to do it again over and over and over and over like we did in times past. So what God did then was, even though he has dealt to every man a measure, the measure of faith, God did not depend on the faith that you have for this kind of contract. This is too important. So God gave you the faith, his faith, and then caused you to use that faith to approach and get this salvation. Now, this means everything. It means everything. Why is this so important? It means that, it means that the faith that you are using to become a child of God, that faith does not belong to you. It belongs to him. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, uh, I think it's verse 20. He says, I was dead in Christ, even though now I live. And he says that the life that I live, I live not on my own. I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So he was dead in Christ, but now he lives. The life he lives now is not his own. He lives through Christ, for Christ, by Christ, and the faith that he, he lives, the life that he lives, it's by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for him. So this is, Paul is saying, the faith that we use to appropriate the salvation, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, even that faith does not belong to, it, it did not come from you. It is not something that you can boast about because God gave it to you. God gave it to you. So why, why is this important? This is important because faith is not just an ethereal concept. If you ask a lot of believers, what is faith? Well, they will tell you something like this. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. This is where we go to the Bible when we want a definition of faith. This is where we go. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. And this is the King James. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, okay? The evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. All right, so this is the thing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, this is very curious. Faith is not just this ethereal concept. Some people just say, well, I have faith. I have faith. So for that reason, uh, something is going to happen. Uh, you know, when they're going through whatever. Well, I have faith. No, that is, my friend, that is not enough. 
that is not enough, okay? Because um, what Paul is saying here is, the, the, the writer of Hebrews, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is, faith is the substance. That when you think of substance, substance is not just something ethereal. Substance is something you can quantify, you can measure, you can grab hold of, you can sink your fingers and your teeth into. That's what substance is. So faith then is, is not just a, a concept, just fluttering out there. Because if you think of faith as such, that's why people can say, I have faith, and it really means nothing. There is no power in it because they don't have understanding. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the evidence of things not seen. But here again is another word, evidence. Evidence is it's not just something ethereal. Evidence is something you can see, you can reference, you can, you can uh, quantify, reference. Evidence is something substantial, all right? So, if faith is the substance and the evidence, what does that mean? Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 says, The heavens that declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. <laughs> this is what David was saying in Psalm chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. But everything you see around the world, the trees, uh, the fruits, the rivers, the sky, the sun, the moon, you and I, we declare, um, uh, we proclaim the work of his hands. And it says here, day after day, they pour forth speech. Speech. They pour forth speech. That means they are talking. They are talking. Uh, Melanie, my sister, and the Lord talked about being uh, spending time five hours in, 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 the, in the forest where she was walking and just enjoying nature. It, it's like your nature is it, speaking to you, into your spirit, man. There is a calmness that nothing man creates can ever, can ever replicate. Walking and listening to the, 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 the leaves as they flutter in the wind and they communicate to you. And the water, the, the ocean, the, uh, as the, the, the waves come and they break and the, the noises they make, the, 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 the beetle, the trees, all of these things about God. What the writer of Psalms chapter 19 is saying is, everything God has created has his DNA and his signature, and they speak to us. They speak to us, giving us evidence of his existence. So listen to me, there is no excuse because even if you have never heard the gospel preached, the scripture is very clear. You should have known about this God that we talk about because there is none like him, there is none but him. So the heavens declare the glory of God and the Skies proclaim the work of his hands. So this, the, 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 the skies, uh, the, uh, I think one of the translations says, the firmament, all of the things that God has created. They, they speak and they tell us that he exists. So God created the substance and the evidence, then he created human beings. Because if you look at the creation narrative in the scripture, Genesis, you find that God did not just make man and then created everything else. God provided us with the substance and the evidence of his existence 
before expecting us to come into relationship with him. He gave us proof that he is and that he was, that he exists. He gave us all the proof before he expected us to believe in him. Because some folks just like to say, well, I have faith. Well, why don't you trust me? Well, I can't trust you because you've given me no reason to trust you. You understand? So even though we have this concept that faith is this ethereal thing, it comes without evidence. There is no need to see. That's why Thomas is called a doubter and why he's been persecuted by Christians for so long because he asked for evidence. He wanted to see the wounds in Jesus's hands. Now, there is a place for believing God. You see, the thing is, if Thomas were to be chastised, it is because he had seen so many other things, not just the evidence uh, of the, the wound in, in, in Jesus's hands. God had already demonstrated who he is and who he was over and over and over again. So Thomas did not have really any reason to be asking for additional evidence, but he did, and Jesus didn't chastise him. Jesus showed him, and of course, Thomas went ahead and did great and amazing things. But this is the thing. God gave us the substance and the evidence of who he is, and then he gave us the faith to connect to him. That's how it happened. He didn't just say, I am God, believe in me. He gave us reasons for us to believe in him. So that is amazing. So here it is. Um, it says here, God, as I'm saying to you, God created everything he needed and then he created human beings. Now, what does this mean? It means that faith must be anchored to something or someone. Faith must be anchored to something or someone. Because when a person just says, I have faith, what do you have faith in? Or who do you have faith in? It should be who you have faith in because you can't have faith in things. But who do you have faith in? All right? Faith must be anchored to someone. It's not enough to just say you have faith. Now, this also means that we can define faith as the human response to all that God has already done. Even the finished work on the cross. Jesus didn't say, believe in me, um, for your salvation, uh, and then I'm going to go die. For, for you and I who are exist in this grace dispensation today, all right? Jesus walked the earth and all. Uh, yes, he was alive. He preached the gospel, talked about his death and resurrection, etc., etc. Even though to the folks who were listening, it didn't make any sense. But Jesus is saying, um, I am your salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the light. I am the gate. And for all of us in this dispensation, there is no other way we get to God except through that gate. But Jesus is saying, I've already done the work. I've already given you the evidence and the substance so that you can feel confident to walk through that gate and to come to me. This is what is amazing about this. So faith is our human response then to the finished work of God, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So Listen to this. This will blow your mind. God's gift of faith, the one that Paul lived by, and the one that we hear, we, we find here in Ephesians chapter 2, God's gift of faith contains both the evidence and the response 
to the evidence. He gives you both the evidence that he is, and then he gives you how to respond to that evidence that he is. Oh my goodness. See, this is why I love the word of God, man. It is, it is, it is powerful. Every time God opens up the word and shows us something new, man, oh man, I fall in love with him deeper and deeper every day. God has given us faith, but that faith also contains the evidence and the key to access him. That is supernatural. Because you see, this relationship we have with him, it is so important that God could not take the chance of just saying, okay, yes, I've given them what they need. Uh, I'm just going to sit back and wait for them to respond. <laughs> because, listen, if you look at yourself as a Christian, I look at mine, there are so many days that I don't respond by faith. There are so many days that um, I wrote the book on trusting God, radical trust. And there are days that I begin to manifest worry and fear and premonition. And sometimes my wife has to remind me that I need to trust God. You see, God could not depend on that sometime-ish kind of faith and, you know, you respond uh, some days and not other days. So he gave us his faith to use to respond, to come to him. And that faith, it locks that relationship. It becomes unbreakable because it is his faith. It is unbreakable. It is his faith. So there is no contradiction when James talks about faith without works. And let me land this plane, all right? Let me land it. The reason that faith without works is dead is this. Your faith should cause others to see the substance and the evidence that God exists. Your faith should cause others to see the substance and the evidence that God exists. So if you just say, I'm a Christian, I have faith. It means absolutely nothing to a man who is hungry, to a person whose house is going to be lost, and, and to someone who is sick and has no clothing on their backs, your faith means absolutely nothing to them. It doesn't speak of a God who is kind, a God who is faithful, a God who is almighty, a God who sent his son to die on the cross, that you and I would come into relationship with him, a God who provides for his children, a God who answers the prayers of his children. Your faith, without evidence and without substance, does not give God any credit. And that is the reason why your faith without works is dead. It is useless. It means absolutely nothing. Do you understand? So, the demonstration of your faith, therefore, must, must include substance and evidence that is attributable to God. So if a brother comes to you and they say, I am hungry, and you have $12,000 in your bank account, preparing for this trip, looking to buy yourself a new ride, uh, preparing for retirement, 
and they're going to lose their home. They're going to die because they can't afford medication. And you just pray for them and spit on them as you pray. And then you send them off. The scripture says, that is not faith at all. That is dead. That is dead. So here's the thing. If you are stingy with your possessions and your time, okay? Now, your possessions and your time, these are God's evidence of his grace on your life. Evidence of his grace on your life. But if you are stingy with your possessions and your time, then you are living in disobedience. Now, listen, don't let some preacher fool you about, you know, you must tithe, otherwise you're going to hell. God has laid a curse on you. I have taught on tithing. This is not where we're going. We're not going there at all. Go find the podcast or the video on tithing and listen and watch that. And, 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 and you'll understand what I'm saying to you, okay? So don't let somebody put a heavy on you and give you, put you on a guilt trip. Nothing to do with that. But if you are stingy with your possessions and your time, it is evidence that you are living in disobedience. Because you see, the, the manifestation of your faith must provide evidence and substance that points to God. That's how it works. And that's why without faith, uh, without works, your faith is absolutely dead. Now, this one here, um, this is where you're either going to like Brother Sam or you're not going to like him, okay? But I pray by the Holy Spirit that you continue liking me. So listen to this. If you are someone who professes to be a Christian and you are stingy with your time and you are stingy with your possessions, listen to this. It proves that you may be operating out of instinct, not the gift of faith given by God in Ephesians chapter 2. And if you're operating out of instinct and not based on the faith that God gave you so you could connect with him, then maybe, just maybe, you're not saved. Just maybe you're not saved. Every time you hear in church, well, you know, we need to uh, help this sister or this brother. We need to do this or that. And you begin to grumble. You begin to mumble. You begin to, you know, hold your purse and your wallet real, real tight. And, and, and you know, people are supposed to stay back and, and put some chairs uh, back in place after church. And, and you, 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 you're the first guy to slip out of there. You know, you never want to invest your time. You never want to invest your resources into anything that has to do with God there's a good chance you're not saved. And, and listen, that is not accusation. It's not condemnation. All it means is that maybe you need to revisit this relationship with God because you do need to be saved. Because if you are saved using the faith that God gave us, that faith, I said before, comes with the, both the substance and the evidence combined. It's not like you can have one without the other. It, it's a package deal. It's like having two sides of a coin. You can't take uh, one side and not the other. They come together. So if this evidence is not manifesting in the demonstration of your faith, then there is a good chance, just a good chance, that you're not saved. Or if you are, you are living in gross disobedience. And Jesus says in, I think it's uh, John 15, 14, 15 or 15, 14. He says, listen, if you love me, if you love me, Obey me. Do my commands. Do the things I've asked you to do. You understand? So this is not condemnation. All it is is, my brother, my sister, you may need to revisit 
this relationship with God. And I'll leave you with this. In um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, this is a scripture uh, that caused my Bible to fall out of my hand the first time I read it. And it says, uh, I'm just paraphrasing now. This is Jesus himself, the Lord of Lords speaking. He says, on that day, many of you will come and you will knock on the door and you'll say, Lord, Lord, open, let us in. And, and he'll open the door and he'll be like, who are you? They said, well, Lord, we, 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 we ministered in your name and we, we, we fed the hungry and we, we, we raised the dead and we, we, we cast out demons in your name. And Jesus will be like, uh, depart from me. You're not mine. I've never known you. Oh, my God. The day I read that, my Bible fell from my hand. I fell on my knees and I began to cry out to him. Can you imagine that? That we do all of this dancing and, and, and backflips and running up and down in the church. And then the day comes and the master says, you were never mine in the first place. That's my motivation for bringing this to your attention. That you would re-examine your Christian life to make sure that there is both evidence and substance in the demonstration of your faith, how you live your life. So there is no contradiction in the scriptures. Paul is absolutely right, and James is absolutely right. And that is my message for you today. If you don't know for sure that you are saved by the faith of God, If you don't know for sure that you are saved, then this is a time. The Christian life is powerful. It is rich. It is beautiful. It is not all pippy long stocking, hunky-dory all the time. It is challenging, but it stretches you. You become stronger. You grow. You become powerful. That's the Christian life. It is a beautiful thing. If you are not saved and you want to experience this power, this grace, this mercy of God, and be reconciled to the creator of heaven and earth, then I'm going to ask you to just pray this simple prayer with me. It's called the prayer of salvation. Say this with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I am so sorry that I've been running away from you. Today, I declare with my mouth, that you died and were raised again. That you are the son of God. That you are the savior of the world. I confess that with my mouth today. And Lord, I ask that you would become my Lord and my savior. And bring me into your own. Let me be called your child. Thank you, Lord, for this relationship. Thank you for this love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just said that short prayer with me, then welcome into the beloved. Welcome into the kingdom of heaven. Welcome. You today have become a child of the creator of the universe. You have become a believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Congratulations. Now, what you want to do, 
find a way to contact our ministry. Go to samtito.com. There's some contact information, Facebook, any way that you can. Let us know. And we have a gift that we're going to send you that is going to help you in this walk. All right? God bless you. We love you. And we pray that this salvation that you have encountered today, this man God named Jesus Christ, that he will go before you and make crooked places straight. He himself will fight your battles for you. Any day that you need him, it doesn't matter what the world is dishing you. You don't need to make an appointment with his secretary. You don't need to come and knock on his door and ask if he's available. Just call him. Pray to him. Pray to him. I have this awesome book called Radical Prayers, Radical Results. It can help accelerate your understanding of this Christian life and on how to pray and to connect with God. I love you. God bless you. Be well.